0: what's up everybody my name is david ej Berger. you can find me at carl jr on twitter and welcome to training camp dialed in I'll be featuring phone calls with NFL writers and reporters from the actual sidelines of camp, getting their firsthand accounts of the action from a fantasy perspective. This is the place to be all month long, as I'm bringing you three to four shows per week filled with football knowledge that's going to help your team win your leagues this season. So you need to subscribe to the Fantasy Authority feed, the exclusive home of the super short run, super niche, and super essential podcast for the month of August. And we are back. We are back what's up everybody welcome back to this little podcast that could i'm excited for today's show because it offers a different flavor a different tone you know a lot of this process that we're doing here on the show is to find all those sleepers the diamonds in the rough to draft late that are going to outperform adp but it's also about finding the guys we should fully sleep on And we've got a healthy mix of both of those today. We are headed down to Florida talking about the Miami Dolphins, a team a lot of people are bullish on as a whole, but maybe should be more bearish about the individual parts, myself included. And there I go using Wall Street stock terminology, making myself sound very smart and also lame at the same time. But why don't we double down on it? because ahead is information you're going to need as you build your portfolio across the vast amount of draft days you have on the horizon. You don't just have one draft. You've got multiple drafts. Let's face it. So let's get right to it. I dialed up Alan Pupar. He's the publisher of All Dolphins for Sports Illustrated. That's right, big time, which you can find at SI.com NFL Dolphins. You can find him at Pupar NFL on Twitter. He's about to deliver not only the definitive guide to the 2021 Miami Dolphins, but some real talk, some real fantasy talk that you need to hear before your draft day. So what are we waiting for? Let's bring them on. Ladies and gentlemen, Alan Pupar. Hello, Alan. How are you?
1: Good, how
0: are you? Good. Thank you uh, for joining me today.
1: No problem.
0: I know this is uh, a busy and a crazy time of year yep. for you, so I really do appreciate you taking the time and I, I don't want to waste it. I know it's valuable, so uh, why don't we hop right in? Sure, let's do it. All right, well, it's great speaking with you for the first time, and uh, the Dolphins had their first preseason game over the weekend, taking on the Bears. Obviously, we don't want to read too much into what we saw as it is preseason, but we did see Tua and some other guys who will be on our rosters this season. As someone who knows this team like you do, what were some of your big takeaways for the offensive side of the ball?
1: Yeah, my biggest takeaway was I was really, really impressed with the way Tua threw the ball, maybe more so than anything I saw from him last year. I mean, he had a couple of really good games last year, most notably the one at Arizona when they won 34-31. But I don't recall him making as many good throws as he made against the Bears. I mean, he had a couple of third down completions where his receivers were not really that open, and he just fitted it the only place he could put it to get the first down and that completions. So I was really impressed with him. Beyond that, uh, the other guy who stuck out to me was Lynn Bowden Jr., who had had an incredibly quiet camp to the point where after coming into camp as somebody who looked like a lock to make the team based on what he did last year as a rookie kind of looked like he might've be on his, you know, on the outside looking in, but then he put himself back into the picture after, after the way he played against the Bears. And that was really encouraging to see. And the thing with the Dolphins though right now is they're missing three wide receivers, maybe even four who logically figure to play Significant roles for them in the regular season with Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, Will Fuller the fifth, and maybe even Preston Williams as well. And Williams has been on PUP the entire camp. Fuller hasn't practiced since the first practice of camp. Parker has been in and out of of the practice lineup, and Wilson's been out for, let's say, a week or so. Those guys are significant players, and when they come back, that's fewer targets for the other guys. So we'll see how that plays out.
0: Well, that's great stuff right off the top. Good info. I, I guess I didn't realize all those guys were not practicing yet, missing some key reps with Tua, uh, although it sounds like you gave him a positive review for this week so far. So that's that's great. Before we dig into this offense more, i like to start out with a little recap of last season. In 2020, the Dolphins finished 15th in the league in total points and 22nd in total yards. They were also 16th in rush attempts and 18th in pass attempts, while running 55% of their plays out of 11 personnel and 28% in 12. So a healthy amount of two tight end sets. But overall, this was a fairly balanced attack in terms of run versus pass and deep in the middle of the league in terms of offense. Now, this team brought in some new talent. Will Fuller drafted Jalen Waddle, But from what you've seen in camp, what are head coaches Brian Flores and new offensive coordinators George Godsey and Eric Stunisville doing in terms of scheme, formations, tendencies, anything that'll give us an idea of how they plan to bring this offense out of the middle of the pack in 2020? 2021
1: well in in terms of the scheme and all that let's remember that we're in camp in the preseason and they're not going to show everything they're going to do in the regular season what logic tells you they're going to do a whole lot of is because they added a lot of speed with a jalen waddle with will fuller and then if albert wilson winds up making the roster which i think is probable but not certain that's a not a lot of speed guys that you add to the equation And then also guys that are not necessarily that big where you can probably figure that you're going to see a whole lot of pre-snap motion to make it easier for those guys to get off the line of scrimmage. I'm not quite sure now because of the depth they've built up at the wide receiver position that you're going to see as much two tight end formations as you did last year when they did a whole lot with Mike Gesicki, Durham, Smythe, and Adam Shaheen, because I think now the strength of this offense is the wide receiver core, of course, when they're finally healthy and everybody's on the field. So that would be my expectation. And the thing last year is their offense did very well in terms, well, did very well. They did pretty well in terms of points scored because they got so much production out of the defense getting takeaways. They had a couple of defensive scores. They also had a I know they had the, the one touchdown on the punt return by Jakeem Green. Their special teams were outrageous. They got a lot of takeaways. They got a couple. I know off the top of my head, they had like one drive that started at the one yard line after a block punt. They had another drive that started the one yard line after a fumble return. So the point score total maybe was not quite representative of what their offense was in 2020. And let's not kid ourselves. The offense is the only reason they didn't make the playoffs because the defense, while it gave up yards, was excellent on third down, was very good in the red zone and led the NFL in forcing turnovers. So they need more out of the offense. They wanted more explosiveness out of the offense, which is why they went out and got the speed guys like Fuller and Waddle.
0: That defense was nasty last season. And yeah, I should have baked it some of the defensive scoring into that year ending total. It's a good point and uh, great insights. I also saw there's rumors that Charlie Fry was the one giving two of the plays in the first preseason game. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, they're not rumors. He's the one who was relaying the call. That's not the same thing as making the call. He was the one relaying the call. And Brian Flores, as a matter of fact, addressed that whole situation. Basically saying they have a whole bunch of coaches who are all assigned specific areas of what the opposing defense is doing they all talk the play caller comes up with the play call which is related to Charlie Fry which is then related to Tua in the huddle Brian Flores ref- refuses to divulge who's the one who is doing the play calling the best guess that it's, is that it's George Gotze one of the two co-offensive coordinators because he did it when he was OC with the Houston Texans in 2015-2016 in whereas Studesville, while he was assistant head coach of the Broncos in 2000, I want to say 2010, does not have OC experience. So logic tells you it's got C, but we don't know. If- sure Brian Flores doesn't want to say but we, what we do know is Charlie Fry relayed the call it wasn't like Charlie Fry was making the play calls
0: uh, yeah copy that and uh it sounds like we have uh guys missing who are key parts of this offense we have uh, a mysterious bureaucracy managing this offense uh, so far so this offense seems to be really figuring itself out in the moment more so than other teams it, it sounds like
1: uh, yes and no because I, I, I think the I mean, Dolphins are always going to be secretive that's the way they operate Brian Flores will not give you more than he needs to. And that's nothing new. The big issue, and again, the play of Tua to me overshadowed everything else that went on in that preseason opener against Chicago, with that said, there were some major issues in pass protection with an offensive line that has a lot of young players who, while they have good potential, especially if you look at their draft status, you're not really proven guys in the NFL. I'm talking about Austin Jackson, first round pick last year, Robert Hunt, second round pick last year, Solomon Kinley, fourth round pick last year, Liam Eikenberg, who didn't play against the Bears, was back at practice on Tuesday. Second round pick this year. That's a lot of draft capital you've invested in your offensive line. But last year, they were all rookies with no preseason, the kind of weird offseason because of COVID. So you had your normal growing pains and the overall result was an offensive line that was kind of up and down. Still a whole lot better than it was in 2019 when it was a complete mess. Now all those guys have a year of experience. You're hoping Eichenberg brings in in something. And mind you, the Dolphins gave up a 2022 third-round pick to move up eight spots in the second round to get Eichenberg. So obviously they're very high on the guy. But still at this early stage, there's been no sign that he's ready to come in and turn in an an all-rookie season. So awful lot of question marks on the offensive line. On Tuesday, they went out and acquired Greg Little a former second round pick from the Carolina Panthers who just flat out didn't pan out over there Dolphins only threw the Panthers a seventh round pick next year it's a low risk high reward type of move if he figures it out and you know starts fulfilling his potential here in Miami but it's just a whole lot of question marks on the offensive line and it's going to be really tough for Tua to do as well as he possibly can if If he's getting harassed constantly, like he was at times against the Bears.
0: This is great stuff. It's helping us figure out this offense ahead of draft day. So thank you so much. This offense obviously depends a lot on the growth of second year QB Tua. And he's actually fairly polarizing. He's got a fair amount of truthers and detractors. You've mentioned the the great performance in the first preseason game. Was that representative of his camp overall and how he's progressed from year one to year two?
1: Well, you've got Tua truthers and haters. Uh, I have been accused at, at times on social media of being a Tua hater. So if I'm telling you that I thought he was really, really impressive against the Bears, I, I obviously truly mean it. Having said that, they were I've seen reports out of training camp, like completely glowing reports about how he's lighting, up, lighting it up in camp and it's a whole new Tua and man, is he looking great. To which I would say, whoa, slow down. Let's slow down. He has looked solid in camp. He's had some good days. He had some other days where it's like, meh. There was nothing that I saw in in training camp, if I'm being honest, to prepare me or anybody else for the kind of performance he had against the Bears. It was above and beyond anything he did in camp. I know you look on the Dolphin social media account and you see these nice highlights of bombs which are very nicely edited to make it look like two was throwing darts 50 yards downfield, right, right in stride for the guy. And the one I had to laugh about was the first one. It was Albert Wilson where Albert Wilson got, got completely wide open behind the, the defense and had to kind of slow down for the ball, and then they had to reach back to catch it because it was a bit underthrown. But the way they shot it made it look like, again, a perfect strike 50 yards on field. Well, so again, yeah, he's made some throws. I would tell you he's, he's looked better in camp than he did last year. To say that based strictly on his camp, I would expect him to light it up in 2021. I wouldn't say that. I would be very encouraged by what I saw against the Bears, however.
0: Well, we appreciate the honesty, and I guess I should have dug into the tape and found out uh, you were a Tua hater, and I would have put that into my question. <laughs> a tough critic of his, and w- wondering what your evaluation of him so far. So I, I love it. This is awesome. I'm
1: not, I want to go on record, I'm not a Tua hater. I said I have been accused of being a Tua oh, hater. Okay, uh, fair
0: because enough. It, because I
1: refuse to praise him at every turn, which is what some of the Tua fans want, and then also if he's doing some things that are not particularly impressive I'm going to point it out so and for again for some two or supporters that automatically makes you a hater
0: <laughs> it's a tricky world out there tricky it's world. a very it's a
1: very very difficult road to navigate let me tell
0: you oh my gosh that's funny okay all right well uh, let's get off to uh get you uh talking about some other people who maybe you can take some flack for here um i usually go to the pass catchers next but the running back room in miami is proving to be quite the fantasy conundrum especially on the heels of head coach brian flores essentially telling us he plans to use all the backs at his disposal that's not great for people who have been aggressively drafting miles gaskin in the middle rounds. Malcolm Brown seems to be carving out a role. Sullivan Ahmed had a splash play in the first preseason game. There's also a fair amount of Jared Dokes, Truthers, and Deep Dynasty Leagues. How have these guys all looked? And how do you see this room playing out onto the field?
1: Yeah, I mean, for fantasy purposes, I'd say the entire Dolphin roster is just not good because I, I think, I think it's going to be one week, one guy has a big game. The next week, it's going to be another guy. The next week, it's going to be a third guy. The next week, it's going to be a fourth guy. I just don't know that, especially at running back, they don't have one guy where you're like, that's a stud right there week in and week out. This guy's going to produce. Even Miles Gaskin, who was productive last year. He had some games where he, there was nothing there. I would still expect he'd be the one to get the most touches. He's the one, if you're talking PPR leagues, who's more likely to catch passes out of the backfield. But... The Dolphins get the ball near the opposing goal line. It's more than likely going to be Malcolm Brown in the lineup and not Miles Gaskin. So, again, how much you can squeeze out of, out of those two guys. Savan Ahmed might be the most explosive of the, of, the, of the running backs, and he had a really good game against the Bears, but that came in the second half against the Bears, second and third string defensive players. So you have to factor that into what he did. I would expect all three of those guys to share touches, Again, like I said, I still would expect Miles Gaskin to get more than the other two guys. But as far as, as far as fantasy backs, I can't tell you that I think any one of the three are really good plays or guys that need to be drafted.
0: Well, this is um, some hard talk, some t- some tough love for fantasy drafters. They need they need to hear this stuff, even if they might not want to. Especially people who've been drafting Miles Gaskin since May in their best ball leagues. But maybe that was a good format, as we don't know who's who's going to get the the touches every week. But I, I will say, I am curious since I have you here they don't have a lot invested in the running back room is this a true running backs don't matter approach or an anomaly or is there some sort of guiding philosophy to how the running back situation is being handled in Miami
1: Uh, that's a good question I think based on what we've seen in the last two drafts when the Dolphins had so much draft capital in the first two rounds remember they had five picks in the first two rounds in 2020 they had four picks in the first two rounds in 2021, and it's not like there weren't a bunch of running backs available. There were six picked in the first two rounds last year. They were three picked in the first two rounds this year. The Dolphins could have gotten any number of those. Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins last year. They could have gone Javante Williams this year. You could have gone Najee Harris this year. They chose to stick with what they had which is basically you're looking at their lineup as Malcolm Brown. Memory fails me right now. I think he might've been a fifth round pick of the Rams. Savan Ahmed was an undrafted rookie free agent. Miles Gaskin was a seventh round pick. And then they went on and they did draft Jared Dokes in the seventh round. And I would tell you right now, I'm not hundred percent sure he's going to make the active roster. There is some running ability, but I've seen him struggle catching the ball out of the backfield. And I don't know that his running ability will compensate for that enough to land him a roster spot, particularly when they have Patrick Laird, who is a guy who they use on special teams quite a bit, and he's a dependable back if you need to use him. So going back to the the initial question, yeah, I kind of have a feeling that the Dolphins just don't put a whole lot of value and emphasis on the running back position that it's more about other spots, which is why they don't want to draft running backs particularly high. And again, Brian Flores came from New England. And for the most part, there were exceptions like Lawrence Maroney and Sonny Michelle in the first round. But for the most part, they tended not to draft running backs very high. I'm almost sensing it's kind of a continuation of that philosophy.
0: Well, that's exciting to hear that Patrick Laird might still make the team. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but he has a bit of a cult status in the uh, fantasy community. Um, accountant (laughs) but uh great stuff by the way yeah Uh, but great stuff overall though uh and yeah it's uh it's a curious one okay well let's get to the pass catchers sounds like a lot of these guys aren't practicing so it's tough to really get a read on what they're doing what have you seen from the people catching the ball from Tua? who's standing out and will they factor in once those other guys show up
1: yeah that's the thing though is again if you're looking at the pecking order logically in 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 any particular order it's parker fuller and jalen waddle Uh, parker and Fuller I haven't been out there. Waddle has caught some passes in practice. He, he he played 19 snaps on offense against the Bears, wasn't targeted once, and then, so now you have in practice, Jakeem Grants had a very, very good camp, but there's no, it, it's not a lock that he's going to make the roster because of the numbers and because of the fact that he hasn't necessarily been that dependable as a receiver in his career, no matter how great of a returner he is. Lynn Bowden, I already discussed, and looking at him, Mack Hollins has had a very, 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 very good camp, but again, once the other guys show up, Mack Hollins drops down to fourth or fifth on the depth chart and how many passes is he going to get thrown his way and Mac Hans is going to make the team because he's really really good on special teams along with the fact that he's had a really like I said he's had a great camp as a receiver as well and again for fantasy players I remember like I said earlier it's going to be one guy it's going to be full one week fuller one week Parker one week Waddle one week Albert Wilson I just don't see them having you know a guy that they're really going to focus in week in and week out like a Justin Jefferson in Minnesota Stefan Diggs in Buffalo that kind of guy that's just not the and, and the pride the other problem with the dolphin wide receivers is well, we mentioned Fuller and Parker being hurt. Well, not exactly a shocker given their history. They're kind of always hurt. So they're kind of dangerous to pit to draft. We're talking fantasy here because, again, the injury concerned. Parker was lights out in 2019 when he wasn't hurt. The only year he ever played 16 games, and he led all AFC wide receivers in touchdowns and, and yards. So the dude can play. He's just always hurt. So, yeah, they're, they're, it's very tricky with the Dolphin wide receivers. And truth is it's the going to be the same thing for the tight ends because logically Mike is. I think he's going to get the most targets but a D, uh, Adam Shaheen has gotten a lot of passes thrown his way in in practice and they drafted Hunter Long in the third round and he's been out now for a few days because of a knee injury but at some point he's going to get back and there's some talent catching the ball there as well
0: yeah Gasticki is a guy I would love to touch on uh, I know that people are drafting him late thinking he could be that late round tight end that could do something for their squads he did have 53 catches last year 700 yards and six touchdowns do you think that's probably his ceiling moving forward as this offense is obviously going in a different direction, changing with the personnel or a baseline?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of have a hard time seeing his numbers jump up again because of the focus of the offense has gone maybe from being tight and heavy to now being speed-oriented with the guy. And I think that's what they want to do is try to get guys in space. And again, if it's bubble screen, quick slants, shovel passes, utilize the speed of the guys they have on the outside, maybe more so than the possession stuff. And then... Fitzpatrick was a guy who liked throwing the ball to Gesicki even if he was covered and and letting Gesicki you know what, win win that fifty-fifty battle. I trust you, you can do it. Tua was that wasn't something he did last year at all, very much. And he expressed a reluctance to throw it if the guy wasn't open. So yeah, I, I think Gesicki might have a hard time duplicating the numbers he had last year. And he's a guy who also runs very hot and cold in terms of his numbers.
0: Well, this has just been uh incredible. The insights are so valuable for fantasy gamers especially as i think we all got some real talk here on the dolphins myself included <laughs>
1: I, I- here's what i would tell you though if we're talking fantasy i think jason sanders a very good play because i can kick and the dolphins chances are going to get a lot of field goals because then I, I don't necessarily see them right now as a team that's going to be great in the red zone because of questions on the offensive line and i think their defense also can be very good because they created a lot of takeaways last year and they got pretty much most of their key guys back on defense and they made some really nice additions, including Javon Holland, rookie safety out of Oregon, who they drafted in the second round has got three picks in training camp and Jalen Phillips, the, uh, edge defender from the university of miami who they drafted in the first round who's got some major pass rushing ability so those in those two areas i think jason sanders if, as kickers should be one of the better ones and i think the defense is is a good unit to get on offense though yeah they're they're they're, they're kind of risky propositions all, all over the board
0: well yeah. i'm glad you mentioned jason sanders because i'm actually on team jason sanders pk1 <laughs> <laughs> um, he uh was an absolute stud last year and i agree they it seems like uh, they're gonna tick up a little bit in offense and probably still kick a lot of field goals. <laughs> yep. um, I usually end with uh, a question asking for your hottest fantasy take for the team, but it sounds like maybe we just got it with Jason Sanders.
1: Yeah. If I, if i if we go on position by position, I think that's the guy he's the number one guy to get. And then I think maybe the Miami defense would be the second thing, the second best recommendation I would make on this team.
0: All right, Alan, you've said it all. Thank you so much for taking the time. Once again, I want to get you out of here. Where can people find all your stuff?
1: Well, they can find it on my website, which is uh, the All Dolphins part of the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. That's uh, si.com slash NFL slash dolphins and i'm on twitter at poopar which is my last name p-o-u-p-a-r-t-n-f-l
0: everyone should give them a follow check out his stuff this has been honestly the one of the best breakdowns of the teams that we've done so far a real not that people pump up their teams but uh, i i like the the sheer honesty thanks again until next year have a great season you do likewise jason sanders pk1 confirmed you are now dialed in